that. Uh, we have uh, some unique, different ways that 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 fathers pass things on. Uh, every culture kind of has some some unique aspects of what they pass on. I remember uh, one of my first times where my dad got like real serious. Like, all right, now listen. Even if your outfit is jacked up, if you're clean and not ashy, you're ahead of most of the brothers out here. <laughs> Dang. Dad got serious on me, you know what I mean? Because ash, ash is something you got to watch out for in the black hood, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, family, we, we, we have different aspects of things that get handed on, you know what I'm saying? Motor oil sometimes. Uh, we got... Hey, it is what it is, you know, but maybe it's maybe it's aspects of cooking or maybe it was it was taking care of your home or maybe it was how to use your words to celebrate and encourage. Today, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to take two approaches to celebrating fathers. But as always, our approach is to celebrate the Lord. I'm trying to take two approaches. One approach is going to be a practical approach. What are some key ways that fathers experience being celebrated, but also should be celebrating and should be thriving as fathers in the home, in the community, in our world. But then what is the, what is the bigger point? Why, why should fathers even see this as a mode of operation uh, as believers? We're going to start today in the book of Deuteronomy, but let me pray for us first. Father, you are in control This is your message, so please move me out the way. I'm humbled that you would allow uh, us to listen to this word, which we believe gives us life, gives us direction, gives us discernment. Allow it to empower us during this time. Holy Spirit, have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Family, we're going to the book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to look at the sixth chapter. Now, when you open a book of Deuteronomy, it literally means like the second, second laws, if it were. Uh, so you can imagine that when you look in Deuteronomy, you're going to find a lot of laws. Uh, the first five books are from Moses, and, and it's, it's um, referred to as the, the Torah or the Pentateuch, this, this uh, five books that he's put together to help us understand what it looks like to worship this God that has set aside a people for himself. Uh, But how many of you have ever had a friend, a loved one, an extended family member come live with you? You ever had somebody live with you? Now, it ain't necessarily personal, but when they first first come to live with you, you, you usually sit them down and say, hey, we got some ground rules, okay? Got some ground rules. You drink all the milk, Guess what? You bought some milk. No clipping toenails at the dinner table. You know, like you you get some ground rules set up to make sure that we all on the same page. Well, Deuteronomy is a list of rules, but but it's ground rules for the people of God as to how they would worship a holy, loving God. It's some, some, some clear expectations set aside for them so that they would know how to love God appropriately because God, too, has a love language and he's clearly described it in his word. If you will turn with me to chapter six, we're going to start in verse four. 
It says in verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Verse four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. To be clear, in the day when Moses was writing this, uh, you have a multitude of different uh, ethnicities and you have the Egyptians who we are sure at this time has at least 40 different gods that they worship from uh, Osiris, the Lord of the afterlife, to Isis, the God of magic, to the, the sun God. There were a ton of different gods being worshipped. And so what, what Moses pauses and does is he says, wait a minute. There is but one God. And I want you to hear this, Israel. I want you to listen, Israel. And, and hear means obey. You couldn't connect and just say, I heard you and not do. I want action to accompany your understanding. And I want you to acknowledge that though there may be many that seem to be being worshipped, there is but one. One God, the God of Israel. But uh, this, this caused me to reflect a little bit because uh, today, while there are a variety of religions that are out, we don't oftentimes see ourselves as people who worship other stuff. If we're a Christian, we see ourselves as, oh, I worship Jesus and I'm good. But I think the way that, that, that worship was defined back then kind of goes along with the way we describe like ministry, like, hey, how do you use your time? How do you use your talent, the abilities God's given you? And how do you use your treasure? And if I use those three metrics, some Christians might be in a little trouble. Some of us might be in a little trouble. Let me take one industry. Let's just look at sports. I know I'm coming. I'm coming down some of our brother's road today. Men. The the sports industry makes millions, excuse me, many millions, excuse me, makes billions of dollars. I just I, I, I try to do some quick research and. This was in 2015, and they say sales is, are soaring now. I couldn't get accurate numbers now. But only the, the four biggest sports industries in the U.S. combined made $31 billion in 2015. This does not include any college sports. Uh, does not include uh, any type of sports for children, and we know that uh, children being involved in sports is like a. How many jerseys have I bought over the years? Nope, I love Max Sports. I love Max Sports. Um, and so, if 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 you pause for a second and you look at the way men spend their money, you look at the alerts that come through on men's phone to tell them when their team has done. When you look at 
the amount of energy and, and effort that it takes to be up on the latest thing that has happened. When you examine that from the old school way of looking at time, talent, and treasure, maybe we sometimes got to assess, are there, are, are there some, some idols that creep up? Are there some modern day entities that we might worship? Maybe sports ain't your thing, then we can go to tech. We know that you might camp out at the altar of Apple when that new iPhone come out. Okay, brothers from the hood, the new Jays, how to, how to, when the brand new kicks come out, what we'll do to change our whole schedule in life to be able to, to be present when the new Jordans or the new LeBrons come out. I know I'm dating myself because it ain't the new Jordans. Now it's the new LeBrons. Family. We, we today... Satan is still busy trying to grab our attention. Men, Satan still wants your time, talent, and treasure to be diverted from God. And the people of, in our message today, God is clearly saying there's but one. Assess where you put your time. Assess where you put your talent. Assess where you put your treasure. There's but one. But, but, but this, this verse, while there's many verses in the Bible that talk about the Trinity and talk about uh, the Holy Spirit, the Father and Christ being one God, this is not, this verse is not saying that. This verse is actually saying that in there being one, there's one way. Exclusivity. That, that Jesus is the only route, that this God is the only God. So then we go to verse 5. You shall love the Lord. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Father's Day is uh, it's a time where uh, the kids, they take risks. Uh, in an effort to try to, to try to show their love, the kid will take a risk and make you a beautiful drawing and come and say, Daddy, you, you, you see my drawing? You, you see this? You're like, yeah, honey, this is all so cute. You made a nice little dinosaur. It's like, no, Dad, it's you riding on a bike at Belle Isle. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> or, they, or they come with another gift. Here's the tube socks for Father's Day. You know, you've been looking for the tube socks. You know, the, 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 the attempts are there. But, but some of the men here, y'all got wise. Over time, you, you started saying, hey, I'm going to make a list. You got on Amazon, and you started making a list. This is my wish list. And now anytime the family desires to know what to get dad, all they got to do is look at the list. If they want to know, how do I show an expression of my love unto dad, all you got to do is go look at the list. Well, in the fifth chapter previous, we're in the sixth chapter. In the fifth chapter previous, God gives his list. He gives a list and it's called the Ten Commandments. He says, look, to love me, to understand me, be able to worship me and and know what I desire. I'm going to list it out. And so you don't you don't have to be uh, desiring someone else's wife and covet. Trust in me. You don't have to worry about where your sustenance and your things are going to come from. Don't steal. Trust in me. You don't have to worry and even consider looking at other gods to provide for you. 
Don't worry. Trust in me. And so verse 5, while it might be tempting to go in and just dissect each little bit of like, whoa, this is the mind and, and the heart and all those different aspects, which are beautiful and important, really, verse 5 that we just read, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, is the Ten Commandments put in 21 words. It's, 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 it's a communication that's trying to summarize. If you want to know how you love God, if you want to know how you please him, if you want to know how do I bring him joy, if you want to know as a father, how do I walk this walk and try to make God celebrate me as I'm doing this? You love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. It's a it's a it's a, a, a challenge to say, how do I get all of you men? How do I get every aspect of you? The heart during that time was not just the emotional side. It actually was seen as the intellectual side. So how do I get this beautiful mind that I've created to worship me? Your soul, your being, your essence, the, 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 the thing that makes your faculties how do, how do I connect with you in an intimate level so I get your mind, I get your heart intimately, but then I get your strength by all the things you touch, the, the, the ways in which you have a physical impact on this earth. Are you serving for your own purposes or are you serving for me, this holy God? He wants it all. But uh, sometimes walking this walk as a father can be a little tough. I thought I was going to get a couple brothers that said, amen. It's all right. It's all right. Sometimes walking this walk can be a little tough. And, 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 and while God calls us and longs for us to give us all of who we are, our heart, our soul, our minds, there's also some practical aspects of understanding men and understanding ourselves that I think would do our church well. So this is a little bit of a veer from just what thus saith the Lord to actually how do we use the way God has used humanity for us to learn about one another because men are different. Fathers, you are different. And that's okay. You should be able to say we're different from women and we should be able to celebrate that. It's not a greater than, it's not a less than, it's just a different. So I want to just talk a second about what it looks like for a brother that's stressed. What does it look like for a brother that's stressed? Because we're talking about loving God. So I wanted to take a picture of how we can love fathers. A sister named uh, Amy Gerton, a, a counselor, kind of broke down some things. And my doctors might say I butcher this, but extend a brother grace says that uh, men and women experience three aspects when, when there's a, a stressful situation. It says that three hormones are involved. Uh, cortisol, epinephrine, and oxytocin. Cortisol, cortisol and epinephrine are both distributed equally when men and women go through a stressful situation. But actually, oxytocin 
is increased in women when they experience stress and decreased in men when they experience stress. So what does some of that look like? When it's decreased in men, you can see a man's become argumentative, respond very critically, become less comforting and supportive to others, withdraw into themselves, become quiet, ignore that they're even dealing with something. Stress don't even exist. Or uh, engage in activities by themselves. I need to fix, I'm going to go fix the car. I'll be in the garage for, for two weeks. I'm going to go fix the car. <laughs> now, sisters, when they have that increase, when, they, when oxytocin is increased, they want to be around loved ones and friends, want to become more nurturing, share stressful experiences through talking, want to process emotions verbally, frequently by talking about them over and over. (laughs) You see a little bit of a difference? So what are some of the ways that because we know stress comes and we know that it's real and we know that fathers experience it, what are some of the ways to help a stressed man? Studies have shown that the best way to help a man that's wrestling with stress is to increase increase oxytocin through touch. Actually, when you touch a stressed man, it activates the vagus nerve in the brain, which triggers the release of oxytocin. It increases feelings of reward and compassion fosters cooperation and sharing in relationships by signaling I'm safe here, that I, that I can trust you, that you're not my enemy, We're, you're not working against me, we're on the same team. And it can inhibit natural stress responses people have towards potential threats, meaning this is not a fight or flight situation, I can remain. I think all the brothers, when, when I said touch, was like, hey, amen. Because y'all know we could add another bullet point, but we got some kids present. (laughs) Keep the party going. The aim, though, the aim, family, is that we would say, God, if your word tells us how to love you well, and that's clear, then how do I pause and love one another well? How do we see Father's loved well? How do we recognize that in doing what we're doing, whether it is starting a new business, whether it's moving into a new house, whether it is trying to share the gospel with your neighbor and they are not buying it and they think you crazy, whether it is trying to serve and be a part of a Mac group with very different personalities, that we all, yet we all love Christ. What, I can keep going with a long, long, long list. We know that some stress is going to come. So what's it look like for for the, for the father, for the leader in the home to be celebrated and cared for. That's just one, one, one attempt, one, one, one mention of how that can be done. So you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Verse 6 says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. It's a, it's a, a matter of us realizing that to give God of our, our all should not be an occasional thought, 
but that we as men should be asking the Lord, Lord, I want to be before you. I want to give you my all, but I don't even remember sometime that you're the most important thing. So could you put all of the beauty of who you are on my mind? Could you keep yourself at the forefront of my mind? Would you allow my mind to be submitted unto you that continually I'm asking this question, am I loving you right? Am I loving you right? Verse 7, so you, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Talk to them when you sit. There's an assumption here, and I know it's an assumption that's, that's broken, all right? It's broken because the assumption here is that men will be present in the home. So in order to sit in the home, you got to be present in the home. And it's broken because many of us have either had fathers that were not present, so we didn't see this modeled, or fathers were present physically, but not engaging mentally. I remember when, uh, when my daughter was six months old, and I was laying on the bed, and I started making a little like sound, like, doo-doo-doo. Well, somehow she caught that and she would start like pumping her legs. And I would go, do, do, do. And she'd go, do, do, do. And so each time I did that, she would respond. But if I didn't go, do, 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 she didn't pump her legs. She was waiting for daddy to engage her. And family, there's an assumption here that when you sit down, You will engage your children. Some of our children are five, six, 17, and they're still waiting to be engaged. Dads, this is a part of who we are. That when we are present, we are present. We are not physically present and fully on our phones. I say that knowing I struggle with being fully present. We are not physically present but can't wait until we get them to sleep so that we can really do dot, dot, dot. No. Like, what does it look like to be present and engage our children? It's what God's calling us to and expecting of us. But he's also calling us to engage the world. It says, and when you walk by the way. There's an assumption that you're out in your community. That, that your whole life does not just revolve around what's in the walls of your home, but that you would be an external presence of this grace of God, that you would be out in your community when you lie down and when you rise. That, that There's an important implication there that from the time when you go to sleep to the time, that, no, from the time when you wake up to the time when you go to sleep, you're, you're considering how do I do this engaging with my family? Maybe it's at the breakfast table. Maybe it's y'all watch a TV show together and you try to process that from a Christ-centered lens. Maybe it's just you laugh together over something funny that the kids have done. But occasionally I will hear dads talk about their excitement to look forward to the next thing. I look forward to when my kid da-da-da-da-da and we miss that we have an opportunity right now. Right now to pour into them. It's really this, this, this language used called a mirrorism, where basically 
you take two contrasting things to, dis- to, to communicate the entire. You say, in the house, out the house. That means everywhere. You say, when you wake and when you go to sleep. That means all the time. So what he's trying to do here is say, men, can I have all of you? Can I have you in every sphere? Can I have you in the home? Can I have you with the, with the family? Can I have you out in the community? I love this image that uh, Merrill, the, 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 uh, uh, an author who wrote Deuteronomy's, um, a commentary on Deuteronomy uh, from the American Bible commentary. He says this. He says the image is that of an engraver of a monument who takes a hammer and a chisel in hand and with painstaking care just etches a text into the face of a solid slab of granite. The sheer labor of such a task is daunting indeed. But once done, the message is there to stay. Family, fathers, I know this may not have been modeled for you. I know uh, this might not have been your experience, but God is trying to say, I don't care what the world's standard has been, and I don't care how broken your life has been. I want to start anew with you. So I want to take this beautiful love language, this list of of commands. Don't just see it as a list. See it as as a way of understanding the beauty who God is. And I want you to just tap away on the hearts of your children. Take time to do it. Engage them with the word. Spend time doing it so that when you do celebrate them in I'm scared that I'll be Kim someday and I'm dropping my kid off to do an internship. But when you get to that stage, when you say, okay, go, now they go having had God's word right here, right here. And it's still our prayer that they would accept it. I'm I'm not saying any father is responsible for the faith of their children, but they're responsible for the environments in which that faith has an opportunity to grow. Amen. Amen. So then in verses eight and nine, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These are just a a variety of ways of saying, man, will you let what you're doing in your home have an external expression? Will people be able to know you not just by your kindness and your coolness, but will there also be a display of your submission to Jesus that is recognizable by people? I, um, I, see, I see all types of stuff in the world from get rich and die trying bumper stickers to life is good bumper stickers. I see people in our society finding ways to celebrate their mantras the things by which they live by. And I want us as Christians not to be ashamed. I want us as fathers not to be ashamed of being known for being believers, even if sometimes the world distorts that. We, uh, we had a, a, a neighbor um, that we've known since we lived on our block. We've been on our block 11 years. And uh, our children were around the time of doing um, sports together. And so 
we had two seasons of Mac Sports, and it was coming up on the third. And so I'm talking to this neighbor about uh, signing their kid up to do Mac Sports. And he says, well, man, you guys over there, you guys teach about sin. And I don't want my kid learning about sin. So kind of not going to, we're not going that route. And I remember like internally, I'm like, so externally, I'm like, okay, man, cool. You know, I hear you. But internally, I'm ready to crumble. Because one, this is a friend. And I'm like, man, I've spent years of us building a friendship just as it is. And this is how this is how you see me as the guy that's going to come like marching down the street trying to tell little kids all about sin. But I knew in that moment, wait a minute. My whole life has been a testimony to this brother. So if for some reason he got it mixed up that every single time our coaches sit with little people, with what they talk to them about is sin, I can't control that. What I, what I can live with, as I've been able to have a relationship over the years with him, is that, man, he, he sees me uh, at times as, as having uh, a ministry that talks about sin. But he sees me as a man that lives out of conviction, that says, man, God is, my, God is the one who I'll serve. And it's a struggle to enter into those places, family, where, where, where you want to be able to control the outcome. You want to be able to be known as a Christian that's cool, and everybody loves you. And man, like, come on into the party. Yeah, he knows the Lord. We can see it from a mile away, but it's welcomed here. Sometime it won't be. Sometimes because people see the beauty of Jesus in you, it'll be misunderstood. Fathers, it might be even seen as offensive. It might be seen as being shallow. It might be seen as being narrow-minded. But family, as painful as some of that is, I also noted that he would say, Leon loves Jesus. And we've had convos that let me know that that's what he thinks because when we've had this political stuff, he comes to me like, okay, do all Christians think this? (laughs) No. (laughs) Fathers, there will be times where even your character, where even your, your values will be questioned because you love Jesus. Take the stand. There'll be times where you might be misunderstood. You might not even be liked. Take the stand. It is is worth it. And God is asking us in our own unique ways, what are the ways that externally you're going to show to this world that Jesus is your king? Here they did it by putting things on their forehead. Almost imagine it as a tattoo or things on their wrists. What's it going to be for you? I um, I'm encouraged every time I leave one of our partnering churches, Grace Community Church. Um, they have this sign that's in their parking lot that as you leave their 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 place, 
reminds me of this doorpost analogy. As you leave their parking lot, uh, they have a sign that says, you are now entering your mission field. It's a cool phrase to remind you, all right, the mission is now, it wasn't to make it to church, (laughs) you know? It's to now be this light unto a world that we believe is in need of Jesus. How am I going to show that? How am I going to show that? So family, uh, Jesus references these verses. And if you could turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Jesus references these verses and he puts it in the context of the bigger story. Because thus far, I've tried to help you see the beauty of, of loving this holy God, but some practical ways in which we do that as men. Some ways you do that as fathers. Fathers that are present and fathers to be. And women who want to love fathers. Just try to pull out some practical ways we do that. But in uh, Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 28, it says this. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all who burn burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any questions. Family. It's an interesting passage because usually the scribes are seen in a negative sense, but this, this scribe is actually seen being humble, actually seen in a, in a positive sense. Jesus quotes the verses that we've been in this whole time. But notice that he gives the man an opportunity, an opportunity that I think every father wrestles with. And it's, it's that question of, Lord, what is my purpose? I don't think it's just a father question. I think it's a human question. I think mothers and women represent, re- wrestle with the same thing. But fathers, as you have a chance to lead, you might also wrestle with, man, what is my purpose? And I, and I think Jesus is getting to here that your purpose is to delight and dwell in the kingdom of God. That's our purpose in verse 34. But notice what he says to the man. He doesn't say your response means immediate entrance into the kingdom. He says you are not far from the kingdom of God. It's kind of of implying here that this man has a response to make. That this man 
needs to respond and act in a certain manner that that this kingdom of God, which we would declare is what every believer should be experiencing, but already in that God transforms you and makes you anew. But the not yet that someday that will fully be realized when when all things are made new and there is no pain, no drama, no worry ever again on earth. That that kingdom seems like simply acknowledging God might not be enough. And we go back to that, that hero Israel that you can't simply just acknowledge. You also have to submit to it. So fathers, as I champion you today, as I celebrate you today, I celebrate you in the same way Jesus does. And my prayer is that you would be a, a, a part of the kingdom of God, but that you would choose to accept the offer that he's given. He has given eternal life to those who would submit to him and believe that he has died on the cross for your sins. Not belief in the fact that he was a healer. Not simply believe in the fact that he was a radical. Not even simply belief in the fact that he was uh, cared for the poor and the marginalized and loved women. But belief in the fact and to addition to all those things, the most important aspect, that he died for our sins and now reigns and wants to lead us and advance his kingdom through us. I pray that no one in this room because I read a ton of commentaries on this. People are like, we don't, we don't get the update. We don't know if this brother, five minutes later, comes back and says, yeah, Jesus, I want the kingdom. I submit. Or if he left saying, man, the cost of that discipleship, too much for me. We don't know. But I pray when you come into this house of the Lord, that you don't leave without the opportunity to accept the offer of Christ, the forgiveness of your sins. Will you pray with me? You are a good, good father. And you have given us the ability to love you with our hearts, love you with our soul, love you with our strength. We know we're only able to do that, Lord, the beauty of your spirit within us. I'm thankful for the men that we have in our church body. Father, you've given us some amazing men. And we are thankful for the many ways in which they lead. Would you, Lord, uh, use them to, to, to advance your kingdom, first starting in their own lives, where they submit to you exclusively, then they seek to to put your word upon the hearts of their children and their, and their household and their wives and then out in their community. Lord, we recognize that uh, that charge isn't easy and we need your help in order to be able to accomplish it. You've taken us from death to life and now, Lord, we are thankful we get to reign in you. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.